0: Amen. Thank you, choir. That's beautiful, powerful. About 10 years ago, I was Sherry Felder's pastor at Parkway Hills, and some of you may know Sherry. Some of you may know Bert Felder, a retired uh, clergy who was there as a a wonderful guy. He was my Grady there at Parkway Hills, and uh, Sherry got cancer, and uh, and. We had this conversation kind of early on. She said, Bruce, please don't tell people I'm fighting cancer. You know, I said, well, what do you want me to say, Sherry? Like, what, what would be the best thing? She said, well, maybe I'm just dancing or I'm moving or I'm, I'm out, whatever. But just, you know, that fight stuff, I don't know. And then about two months later, though, she came back to me. She said, Bruce... You can tell people I'm fighting it now. Uh, and she said a couple other choice words there that I won't tell you in polite company. But uh, Omer Christian Soldiers is a nod to Sherry Felder because I'm, sure she <laughs> I'm sure she was smiling at that. We got a fight on our hands. Uh, and we got this teacher that is not afraid. We got a rabbi that's not afraid to walk into it. Although the weapons are a little bit different than maybe conventional weapons. But we're going to talk about this rabbi and this teacher in this face-off in this synagogue. Will you pray with me? Oh God, we are determined. We so want to be the people you've called us to be. But we do admit, like that man in that synagogue, there are powers, principalities at work that are way more powerful than we are. And yet, your love and grace is more powerful than all. May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, if you go to Israel, and if you're lucky enough to have a chance, you can go to Capernaum. It's the very town that's right here in the Bible. It says Jesus and they, these disciples, went to Capernaum. It's, it's on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, just a few miles off. And if you go there today, it's in ruins. But the largest, the largest edifice is the synagogue. And you can walk in that synagogue. Now... The synagogue in place or the ruins of the synagogue are from the 4th century. But you can get right beside the, uh, the, the foundation of it and you can go a few layers back and you can see the layer that Jesus walked on in this story. So he walked in the synagogue and he walked into a room full of religious people. Many of, uh, It was the custom of many of the Jews to go on the Sabbath, to read the Torah, uh, to hear somebody uh, perhaps teach it. And Jesus must have been a great teacher, a great and amazing teacher. Because early on it says they were astounded at his teaching. Funny though, the Gospel of Mark never really says what Jesus teaches when he says that. But Mark always says he was an awesome rabbi, the greatest teacher ever. Of the 90 times in the Gospels that Jesus is directly addressed by people, the people that knew him the best, over 60 times he's called teacher or rabbi. The people knew him the best called him teacher. He's the first recorded rabbi in written history. Now, I didn't know this. Uh, uh, Levine, Amy Jill Levine said this in a book I was looking. She says, and I quote, the earliest attested person in literature to bear the name rabbi is Jesus. There were no rabbis in the Old Testament. But you see, the world had gotten so messed up that around that time, it was just so apocalyptic. They thought the world was coming to an end and teachers sprung up everywhere to help the Jews learn how to live in the diaspora. Just spread out all over uh, the Roman Empire. Now, rabbi meant teacher in the fullest sense of the word. And he taught it as one who had authority. He wasn't a clergy person. He was a teacher. He was a teacher. Amazing. But Mark can't seem to remember the specifics. You know, think about your favorite teachers growing up. Think about them. I mean, I think about kind of going backwards from seminary, there were two or three teachers that just the way they held the Bible and the way they read it just made me go, wow, I didn't realize there was that much, that there was that much in in there. Uh, Jeffrey Wainwright or Richard Hayes or um, Mickey Efert, this guy would remind you of, uh, we called him Little Andy because he reminded you of Andy Griffith. We called him the Smiling Assassin because his tests were so hard that people really got... But he was an amazing Presbyterian minister. And man, he's gone on to his great reward. But I don't really remember exactly what they said. I guess I've got a few of my notes, old notebooks. But I remember how they made me feel. And I remember that it was like an invitation to jump into this theological world, this biblical world, and they asked questions that still haunt me today. But I don't remember much about what they taught. I remember my, some high school teachers at Brookhaven High. Little did I know, like in 1976, that that was only five years into integration. And I remember I had black teachers and I had white teachers. And I remember the Henderson twins. They were two um, African-American sisters, and they taught at C.H. Lipsy. And they both dressed to the nines, beautiful, uh, uh, just the, just fashionable, always coming in. And they were so unbelievably structured. It was unbelievable. And now that I remember it, I think about these teachers, especially after integration, because now that I think about it, the Henderson twins and Brenda Young and some of these other black teachers that melded into the schools, they sort of had to prove themselves. These graduates of Jackson State, Alcorn State, Mississippi Valley State, And I still remember the tension now. I couldn't tell what it was then. But they were amazing. Miss Brown, my second grade Sunday school teacher, don't remember a lick of what she said. But I I do remember this. There was a kid that came to our class one time, and he stuttered. And she, you know, asked him to read, and he really struggled, and we all kind of laughed. And I looked at her, and I looked around. And so we were all going to leave Sunday school, right? So we were all walking out. And she waited until he left, and she grabbed us, and she pulled us right back in. And she told us to never, ever do that again. Never, ever belittle anyone again. Now, I do remember that one. Because I could tell that she was mad. (laughs) She was angry and disappointed. And we never did it again. And here's a common denominator. Maybe I couldn't completely grasp it early on in the third grade. But every great teacher I ever had was able to give me a taste of wonder and mystery and love. They made something that seemed kind of boring come to life. Every single one of them. Jesus must have taught that way. Because Mark said he was astounded on him. He was a great teacher And I bet they walked away that day and they never forgot it. And I bet, you know, Jesus walked in that synagogue and it says he taught as one with authority or with power. Not like those other people that were trying to teach. He walked into the place of worship. And kind of like Miss Brown, he got mad. White, hot, mad. You know what the wrath of God really is? It's God's white Hot anger at anything that keeps you from being who you've been called to be. Anything that keeps you from being fully human, God doesn't have a whole lot of patience with. So Jesus comes in there, not trying to break up things, not trying to break up the Friday night worship. He was Jewish, he was there to share the faith and talk about it. But he didn't have much patience for the unclean spirits in that guy. Jesus, he didn't hate organized religion or he didn't hate the Jews. He hated evil. He hated things that destroy us individually and as a society. He hated anything that would hurt a person or diminish a person or limit somebody. And he taught in a way, he must have with this authority, in a way that helped you find liberation from whatever had power over you, and there was plenty back then that had power over them, plenty today too. So he talks sternly to demons, these unclean spirits. The Greek word is, I can't say it, uh, phemophete is the Greek word, which is so impolite and politically incorrect that I really, it's kind of like Sherry's deal. It's, it, it's a little bit off color, but it basically means be muzzled, you spirits. Shut up, you spirits. Jesus is not kind and sweet when he confronts whatever has power over us. He's not. He doesn't have the patience. He's not against religion, but he sure is against what afflicts us. In my first appointment in in Meridian, I'm preaching and uh, I'm struggling like I do most every Sunday. and, And there I am preaching and all of a sudden, this guy walks in, and you can tell he hadn't slept all night. You can tell he had a lot of fun, and you can tell he probably slept outside. And so I'm preaching, and there he is walking down the aisle. And his hair was all over the place, and he had a suit on. And I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. And, and he sits down, and, um, and then I make my second point And he goes, Amen! I was like, finally, somebody's listening, right? And they tell him to be quiet. You know, I wish I could go back 35 years and apologize to that man. Because I think he was the only one that day that was amazed at anything. It's kind of just exactly the opposite. We were all sort of frozen in time, just sitting there. But this guy... Maybe he lived a rough life, maybe not. But at least he was listening. Amen, he said. And it says they were amazed. And it says his fame spread throughout all the country. You know what I think? I think that unclean spirit that happened that first when Jesus was in Capernaum in that synagogue, I think that unclean spirit has cleaned up a little bit and gotten sophisticated. I think it's in a great disguise today. It's called being snarky or cynical or skeptical of everything. And we've been trained by this forces to just quit being amazed and astounded at stuff. We've heard the gospel over and over again and frankly we've gotten bored And I wonder if Jesus can call that unclean spirit out again. Be muzzled and get us excited again. You know, we've been hearing about this for so long. We've been hearing about this for so long. Church is in decline. We're shrinking. We're dying. You hear that all the time. What we need is a new marketing strategy. Oh, what we need is this. Oh, we need to be that. We need to be, you know, cooler or whatever. Maybe I need to get a tattoo and wear tight jeans. Promise. I'm not going to do that. That would be something. That would really repel. That would not attract anybody. Um, When all we really need is just a few people who are still amazed at what God is doing. That's all we need. You don't need some grand theological argument. When's the last time you've been amazed by God? What God has done? When there are people who are amazed... The word's going to spread. We we just don't know how to be amazed. Jesus said, unless you become like little children. You see, children can still be amazed. You know, children laugh 40 times a day. You know how often you laugh a day? Four. What happened? What happened? What happened to our ability to be amazed? Jesus said, become like little children. Come on out of us, Jesus. Call it out of us. Call it out of us. Let me tell you something amazing right now and remind you of this. You are a wonder and a miracle, every single one of you. You're not just alive. You've overcome all kinds of controversy. You've gone through heartbreak. You've gone through pain. And even when you messed up and you were your own worst enemy, God did not give up on you. Isn't that amazing? God took you back in. God picked you back up. And you're nothing but a miracle. It's just a miracle that we're all here. How did God get us all here under this roof in one place? And you know what? I hate to be morbid, but let me just say it. The end of your life will come one day did you know that we're all terminal and even then it's not over isn't that amazing aren't you amazed jesus taught with power and it must have been amazing (laughs) he was an amazing people he was amazing teacher he healed people the rabbi set people free in his teaching And even when they came to ambush and kill him, he didn't run for the exits. He ran right back into it. Amazing. We still are plumbing the depths of that whole thing. Diana Butler Bass, preacher and popular speaker, was asked to lead a retreat for a Jewish congregation in a big city. And so here she is, a Christian, leading all these wonderful Jewish people in the synagogue and she said the retreat was just incredible. She said it just gave her chill bumps and some of the most amazing, loving, and welcoming people she'd ever run into. And at the end, she ran into the rabbi and she said, I want to be Jewish. This is amazing. And he looked up to her, at her with a glimmer. He laughed a little bit and he chuckled. He said, you follow Jesus, right? Yes, I responded. Well, you know, he's a rabbi too. Follow him and you'll do just fine. From that day on, says Diana Butler Bass, I understood that Jesus was indeed my rabbi, my teacher. He had been there for a long time. Follow his teachings, she says. Listen to his stories. Embrace the word and live his wisdom. Rabbi Jesus shows the way. He's my teacher. About eight years ago in a church in Virginia, preacher called all the little ones. He didn't have a deck of cards that day, but um, he got up there, and it was a children's sermon. It was about a dozen preschoolers in the summer of 2016. Where's the candle? He said, and one sharp little kid got up and grabbed a candle. Bring it to me. Good. Where's the white bowl? There was a white bowl near. Another kid got that. Good. And then he said, where is God? And all the children looked around. They kind of shrugged. And there were a few bewildered looks on their faces. And then a small boy in a plaid shirt, about three years old, said, I know. You do, said the preacher. Yes, yes, I'll go get God. And the little kid jumped up from the chancel stairs, walked down the middle aisle. And his father was panicking, by the way. What's my kid going to do? And just before he could grab him, the child, and before the child got very far, the little boy returned back and he was holding the hand and looking at this woman in her 60s or 70s leading her back up the aisle. Literally dragging her back up the aisle to children's moments. And he said, Here, Here, Here's God. She's right here. Miss Jean, the pastor said, she was the Sunday school teacher. And there wasn't a dry in the house. Maybe that's how people respond to Jesus. Pointing to their teacher, their rabbi, the one who called out anything working against them, and pouring out his love. And maybe we too grab his hand and say, here's God who still teaches, who calms the storm, who lived and died for us to liberate us out of our prisons, to separate us from the unclean spirits that try to claim our lives, who help us get lost in wonder, love, and mystery. When that sinks in in your life, And when you run out of this place, having been called out by Jesus, when you're amazed and astounded, people will know. People will know. And the word will spread. Let's pray. God, teach us your ways. Help us to stay focused on our Savior, our Redeemer. And our Rabbi Jesus, Lord, help us if we lost our ability to be amazed and astounded. Surprise us yet again. That that amazement might spread to all. These things we ask in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.